Hey, Cape Squad. Today, we're going to drop a different type of Not All Podcasts Wear Capes episode. We have a lot of recordings that we've never gotten around to editing. Every once in a while, we're going to put these together and drop them as an episode. You're going to have to forgive us for any kind of audio problems and that the content might be a bit out of date. So, get ready for the first installment of Lost Episodes from the Mystery Vault. T. Hey, Spade. What's going on? I'm back. I'm back from north of the wall. Yeah. Hey, you know who else is back? Spider-Man's back. Should we just jump right into it? Let's jump right into it. Spider-Man is back. You know what? I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. He's not leaving. He's back. Yeah. So that that's some pretty big news. It's, I know we got we know it's been a while since this news broke, but uh, we didn't get to talk about it yet. So we, we kind of want to chime in and say how excited we are, and uh, yeah, it's, really it's glad awesome. they're gonna they're gonna keep going with this for now. So one of the more interesting things that I heard online, and everything that we we are not insiders, we we don't know what really happened. It's just a lot of speculation and news reports from Vanity Fair or this or that or the the YouTube videos we watch. But one of the things that was interesting is that Tom Holland went and like took the bull by the horns and called Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, and Tom Rothman, the uh, chair of Sony Pictures. And really kind of made the case and kind of was one of the key components to kind of make that happen. That he, he like, was like, forget it, man, I'm Spider-Man. And he tried to make it happen. And he's, a, he's a Spider-Man of the people. Yeah, he, he's, the, he's one of the heroes of this story. And you know what? And, you know, it's always this kind of thing. Don't, you know, you know never meet your heroes because they'll, uh, they'll always disappoint you. But it seems like, you know, Tom Holland is just a good kid. It's just a really good kid with a lot of heart, says the right things, and he loves d- being Spider-Man. Works his butt off to fill that role or whatever role he takes. Not just acting, not just going in there and being a a, a, a diplomat, an envoy, coming out and really promoting the thing. But what he has to do physically, because so many of those Spider-Man moves, he's like a crazy acrobat that can do all those things, and that he came out and really. He want because he was he was palpably upset online. I think he put a couple of things on. Oh there. yeah, didn't he like Absolutely. unfollow Sony for a second? That was a rumor. I don't know if that was true or not, but apparently that was one of the things being floated around. That uh, yeah, he unfollowed them, and I mean you could tell by the things that he was tweeting that he wasn't too excited about it. You know, posting selfies with him and Robert Downey Jr. hanging out and everything. So you you can tell that that he wasn't too thrilled about it. But um, but yeah, they worked it out. I know. I uh I hopped in a shower one day. I came out and there was a text from you and it basically said, "Hey, Spidey's back." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And you're like, "Yeah, according to Vanity Fair, it's uh it's online." And I started looking all over the place and of course it was everywhere, so was a, and we were so excited, day. you know, we were talking about it and 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 if the listeners don't already know this, uh you know, when uh Spade and I are talking sometimes on the phone, we stop ourselves and go, "Stop, stop. Let's stop talking. This is content." So, right. So, but we were so excited that we had to talk about it. Yeah. 
But th- this is really like the first in-depth conversation that we're going to have about it. So, um, And this happened a couple of weeks ago already now. Yes. Yeah, so so what, what do you think they do with this now? Well, there's a lot of implications to this coming back and exactly how the deal is structured. And I think what the key thing that ta- that that we know for sure and it's not just internet rumor that we know for sure is a, a quote from it's a quote from Kevin Feige and I won't do it exactly but he says is this something the one about him walking between two universes yeah he Spidey Spidey has the power to go between different universes or something like that and that's and that's very key because I think one of the the things in, in that the where the deal was falling apart was this thing about the Venom movie, this thing about uh, uh, Morbius, the living uh, vampire. Morbius, yeah. excuse me, Mor- Mor- Morbius, the living vampire. And Tom Holland was supposed to actually be in that first Venom movie at, in a cameo. And Sony really wants Tom Holland and Spider-Man to be be, be in those, even if just for a moment, to kind of bring those other properties in. Yeah, well, I mean, essentially you're building a Spider-Man universe without Spider-Man. I, I, right? And that's, that's the that's, worst that's thing. That's essentially what they were doing. So, obviously, Sony wants Spider-Man in their Spider-Man universe. Marvel wants Spider-Man in their universe. And they, um, you know, I, I think they should they should reach some kind of deal maybe where the movies can cross over where there's parts maybe Tom Hardy can show up as Venom in the MCU. Maybe like they don't have to reference the Sony stuff. Um but the character can show up and you know do do a small cameo and things of that nature. And there's this idea about like like the in what he used he used between different universes and the idea of the multiverse, right? Because the idea of 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 different worlds has been in comic books since 1960s DC, and actually, side note, um, we we should talk about that the uh, the Crisis on Infinite Earths that's coming to the DC uh, television shows, but that's something else. But Marvel has always had that. There's always been there's been the Spider Verse. There's been that X Men comic book Excalibur that introduced another set of of multi universes, and and it's and it's um uh you know Marvel's always been six one six, so. Is within this deal the idea that at some point could it be MCU canon? Even though Tom Holland shows up and then the Marvel Cinematic Universe just ignores it, Tom Hardy, who plays Venom, is a really good actor, could probably do a really good Venom. I didn't watch the Venom movie, and I've heard mixed reviews of it. Yeah, I, was, um, I wasn't a fan. It's it's not that it's not that great. But Tom Hardy is good. Well, yeah, him. Speaking of, here, here's uh, Tom Hardy. This is totally nothing to do with superheroes or anything. Uh, there's a great movie now streaming on Netflix called Lock. It's essentially a one-man show slash movie where he's just driving around in a car. The movie's like an hour, an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes, and he's just taking phone calls along the way. And his son, who calls him, is actually played by Tom Holland. Oh, really? Yeah, and the movie I think it's from 2013-2014. Um it's really good. You based on the description I gave you, you probably wouldn't think that it's actually interesting, 
it actually is pretty interesting, and I really, really enjoyed it. So check it out if uh, if you guys can before they pull it off Netflix. And and there's this idea also back to Spider Man. Um, uh, there's this idea about how they could just float these characters because I think that the Morbius, the living vampire, I, I don't think it should be its own movie. I'm not really interested in seeing that, but that would be a great character to have in the MCU, especially when we're talking about Blade coming in. Yep, absolutely. And um, the actor playing uh, Morbius... Um, it's Jared Leto. Jared Leto. He's really good. I think his his Joker, not, jo- not his Joker. Not his I think Joker. it was under, underrated, but that's for another <laughs> that's for another podcast. I think he's a, he's a he's a great actor. He's been in a, he'd been wonderful in a thousand things. That would be great. I would live to see Jared Leto playing Morbius versus uh, Blade. Yeah, I mean it's definitely interesting. I mean, especially when you think of like some of the supernatural characters that they're talking about. So you have Blade, Morbius, Ghost Rider. You know, the, those kind of guys would be pretty cool to, to do something with together. And I don't think Sony and Marvel really know what they're going to do. I think right now what it is is there's a 25% profit number that's out there. Tom Holland will be playing Spider-Man in the third of this series as part of the MCU. He will be in another... MCU movie, so he will be two more times guaranteed in the MCU. Right. He will be appearing most likely in Venom 2. He will most likely be appearing in uh, Morbius Living Vampire. That technically will not be in the MCU. But down the road, how do they fit that in? Do they just say, oh, yeah, that really happened in the MCU if the movies don't completely suck? Or well, do they, no, good, good. Or down the road, do they incorporate it in a live-action uh, Spider-Verse movie or a live-action Marvel Universe movie where all of a sudden we're looking at Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness that, and, and going farther down, there could be this multi-dimensional film where you see Tom Holland with Tobey Maguire, with Andrew Garfield, uh, with all these different versions of Spider-Man. I mean, we, we, we said that how long ago, right? I mean, they definitely, the seeds are already there. You can get away with multiverse where you can say, you know, Tom Holland stuff exists by itself. The Andrew Garfield stuff exists by itself. The Tobey Maguire stuff exists by itself. But through multi-dimensional portals basically hey what are you guys doing here uh, i don't know what are you doing here uh what's your name spider-man spider peter parker peter you know they could have one movie where they just go nuts they just go wild right. because that's what and back again i don't mean to talk about dc television but that's what they're planning right now in dc television with this crossover between arrow and the flash and supergirl and uh what they have is they have every single DC television show that they could still get all the way back, and they're just bringing in all these characters. Yeah, well, and not, not just TV show. They're, they're bringing in Brandon Routh, who was Superman from the, right. the Superman movie. They're bringing in the Brandon Routh Superman from Super, the, 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 not the most recent Superman, right? But the Brandon Routh Superman. They're bringing in Smallville Superman. 
and both of their Lois Lanes are coming in. They brought back the Flash from the the early '90s Flash television show in there. But they didn't that guy wasn't he on the Flash? I mean, I don't watch any of those DC shows. I'm right. definitely intrigued by this Infinite uh, right. Infinite Earth uh, storyline. So I definitely might have to tune in and check this stuff out. I'll probably be lost, but. I think I know enough to get me by, um, even though we don't talk about DC that much. Yeah, but we will. We know? will. But you know what? Yeah. Oh, who else they're bringing in? Because it's kind of uh, interesting. They're bringing in uh, the voice actor who played Batman. Oh, Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy. As a live action Batman. As yeah. a live action Batman. Like, and you know, so I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to just – and if Marvel did that for one thing and, – and some of the rumors online is that they might do that kind of crazy thing that Avengers 5 is going to be Secret War. It's going to be a Secret War planet, and you'll get all these multi-universe Marvel versions of Marvel characters, so you could see like six or seven different versions of the Hulk. Well, essentially, that that's what they... It was Secret Wars 2. That was the storyline right. in the comics, where they, they had all different planets merge into... I mean, not, not planets. Uh, universes merge into one. So you had your Miles Morales and Peter Parker running around together, and then when right. everything was over... It was one universe, so that's how Miles Morales became in the mainstream comics, and not the Ultimates, which right. is the line so, that he was in. So they could do that on the Marvel end, which I think Marvel will eventually do at one point. But they could also do a solo uh, live action Spider Verse movie, and that would be awesome. Uh, yeah, that they could do. They could do that. But in the end, though, I think Sony's days are numbered, and we've talked about this in other podcasts. I think it's inevitable that Spidey comes under uh, the intellectual property uh, uh, completely comes back to uh, Disney and um, because I don't think Sony can hold on to it. Um, they're not going to be able to build and it's not because of movies. It's just they're not going to be able to build their own streaming service and a bigger whale is just going to swallow Sony Pictures. Right. I mean, Spider-Man is basically their biggest property in terms of uh, a studio. And right. one property can't keep the whole studio afloat. Right. And we talked but, about this before. All they have yeah, else yeah, is yeah. Ghostbusters and Men in Black. And that's it. So uh, other than that, and that's just that's just not enough. Um, yeah. Well, like like you said, just like Thanos says, it's it, he's inevitable. Right. And yeah. now, so Spidey 3, who's going to be the villains? Um We've heard a lot about Sinister Six for about 10 years. We've heard a lot of different things. What I keep on hearing in the rumor mill, and I guess just people say things and then somebody else repeats it and then you're just getting it all from the same source. They've been talking about Kraven uh, being in right. uh, Spider-Man, which is going to be probably work out well because of what happened at the end with J. Jonah Jameson. And Spidey's uh, oh identity being revealed, secret identity being revealed, right? So, so maybe somebody hires Craven to hunt him down. We've already met the Scorpion character, and I, I don't know his uh, uh, the character's real name, but it was he was already in Spider Man. So Max Gargan, yeah, he was played by Michael Mando from uh, Better Call Saul and stuff. So, oh, uh, okay, yeah, and and yeah. he was there in the prison with. Uh, with Michael with, Keaton's uh, with Michael the, Keaton, the Vulture, yeah, the Vulture at the end, and he was right. there, so he's already part of it. And yep. rumors you about the, the shocker, right? You have the, the shocker, shocker. and you have the people are talking about the chameleon as well. Yeah, 
But that's a great thing about Spider-Man. And one of the most impressive things is that he has more than Batman, more than the Fantastic Four, and those two properties have huge rogues gallery. Spider-Man has the biggest rogues gallery of any superhero out there. Yep. Yep. And that that doesn't even we didn't even mention, you know, Doc Ock, the Rhino, Kingpin, even though he's more of a daredevil villain. But uh you know, Norman Osborne, the Green Goblin. I mean they, there's tons. Electro, right? You want you want to keep going, you want to go name for name? See yeah, how yeah, you get through. And I mean um, but those are those are ones that we've seen. It's just you could make three more Spider Man movies and not repeat. Still, you have so many there in the dugout. I mean, we'd have to probably look it up, but um, they could they could easily easily keep on mo- making another handful of Spider-Man movies without repeating any of those villains. Sandman, Mister Negative, right? Right, <laughs> right. We, we we did a show on it. Yeah, exactly. And and um, and, and go and we're going to see this Spider-Man movie soon. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, what? what one thing I was wondering. Um, you think they go with the one more day storyline? You familiar with that one? No. Okay, so Civil War, the the big event from Civil War um, is Spider Man takes his mask off and introduces himself as right. Peter Parker, right? Right. So now everybody knows who he is. So the villains are, you know, make it easy to come after his family, kind of thing. So he actually makes a deal with Mephisto at the end because uh, Aunt May gets shot. So he makes a deal with Mephisto to save aunt may and basically get his secret identity back i i think that's the the one more day storyline and in the process what he had to give up is um his marriage to mary jane so it's like they were never together so i know that you know obviously they haven't officially introduced mary jane in the storyline but is that how he would give his get his identity back kind of thing if he makes a deal with like Mephisto or something like that? I so, don't think they're going to go that route. Not, they won't go with making a deal with the devil because that yeah. the, the, the the price is your soul, right? Right. So, right. They won't. They won't do that. I think um, there's. I think there's two ways to go about doing it. One, some craziness in the multiverse snapping kind of thing that it's just absolutely insane and it just kind of things get rebooted a little bit because of after secret war or something or two which i pro- which will probably happen i think it's just that mysterio will be revealed to be a liar and some kind of way there they will have this moment in the movie where peter parker's right there and then somebody else comes in as Spider-Man, whether that could be a Miles Morales or it could be another hero coming in and doing the thing. And then, you know, it would be Peter Parker there running around and somebody else is Spider-Man. And then it's all the all the television cameras are on there and they're like, oh, he was never really Spider-Man. He's a thing. And then and then Jane Jonah Jameson walks away in shame. But then he gets us back on and says, it doesn't matter. Right. And it's just kind of, you know, the storyline you just uh, described, right? I, it's about a thousand Superman comic books from the sixties. Um, you know where that is, right? That that's straight out of Daredevil, where uh, Matt Murdock gets outed as Daredevil, right? And he he goes to Danny Rand and basically has uh, you know Iron Fist running around in the Daredevil costume, and you know obviously Matt Murdock's there, so it's like how can I be Daredevil when Daredevil's right there? And right, that's right. kind of how he he gets the the genie back in the bottle. So exactly. So they'll they'll do 
I think they'll do something like that. Yeah. All right. So we we rambled enough about Spider Man. I I think we should we should move on. But we're excited, you know, and you can tell. Yeah, by, uh, absolutely. And 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 again, one last prediction is that this will not be even after the next Spidey movie and the next Marvel uh, greater Marvel MCU movie he'll be in. This will not be the end of uh, Tom Holland Spider-Man in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It'll work out. No, he, there he's might be too, a couple. He's too young. He's too young. They're, they're, they they want him till he's forty. Right, and 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 when when he wants to step away for a little while, when he gets too old, they will bring in a younger actor to do Miles Morales, and he could be a mentor Obi Wan character, and he will be he will be Spider-Man. Um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come out and guarantee it for at least fifteen years. Yeah, I I think so. All right. Okay. Welcome back, Spidey. All right. Welcome back, everybody. So um, so we're doing a new segment today. I don't. What should we call it? T um, watch and listen. I watch or, you uh, watch. We watch, watch and react. Right. Yeah, 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 I, I like that. that. That's good. Let's get That's the. Uh, you know what we could do too is we can give the put the link in the show notes of the video we're gonna watch, and then we'll count down when we're watching it so that the audience can hit play as well and watch watch it along with us. Right along. Right with along. Us. Yeah, all like right. That. All right. All right. So what what we're gonna do is uh, we're gonna watch what's called the Battle at Big Rock. And it's a uh, Jurassic World slash Jurassic Park uh, short film. It's ten minutes long. You can find it on YouTube. But like Tisa, we'll put the 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 link in the show notes. Uh, I haven't seen this. T, you haven't seen it, right? No. No. Yeah. So we're, we're gonna react to it in real time, and uh, we're gonna get ready to play. Should we do a countdown of five? Uh, yeah. Actually, yes. But one thing of trivia I want to talk about Jurassic Park. Go ahead. And I don't know if it's trivia. I don't know if it's true, but I'm I you know going back and watching the first Jurassic Park. That character, the Sam Neill character, that was written for Harrison Ford. He even wears the hat. Think about it. That's a complete hat. Like yeah, Jones. it's it's in the end. It's a Harrison Ford. They were like, oh, well, let's get a Harrison Ford character. I I would put money on the fact that they approached Harrison Ford for that. Anyway, let's go. All right. So anyway. All right. So we're we're gonna hit play in five, four, oh, wait, wait, three. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, okay. Right, start right. again. False alarm. All right. False alarm. All right. Okay, ready? All right. Three, two, one, play. All right, this is some dead air, so I'm just gonna talk and let you know the Universal logo is coming in. All right. Yeah. Heavy CGI. We see the we see the night sky, the planet, the universal. That's not the night sky. That's space team. Yeah, space. <laughs> All right. That's All a good right. little effect there. The, yeah, that was uh, pretty cool. Here's ET. Amblin and Entertainment. Wow. All right. Battle at Big Rock. See? Charred on the outside and juicy on the inside. That's my secret recipe. <laughs> you get back indoors. They got bears out here. Uh, one of the big things are at Jurassic Park, you always have to have a kid in danger. So we're introduced, I'm sure that... Uh, How you doing, and, and really smart people that well, like to know, put themselves in danger. Surviving. Right. 
Meteor shower tonight. Oh, look. Yeah? It's the camper from Breaking Bad back there. That'll be something to see. <laughs> you need anything, come knock, all right? Mariana brought a little bit Barbecue of Barbecue here. All right, everybody gather up. Single camera the shot, you're yeah, noticing. Yeah. Is that your card? No. Is this your card? No. Come on, sit down with me. Are you Where, sure? Where's Big Rock? Is that like in Utah? Or is that Arkansas? Oh, you know what? Oh. Hey, we've been a family for two years now, okay? So we need this scene so we can relate to, to the characters right? and care about them before the dinosaurs try to eat them. Right. But we are family now. Because as we know from the last Jurassic World, dinosaurs are in the regular world now. All right, why don't we play best of day? Greg let me fire his double crossbow. He what? Greg, don't what? let my eight-year-old uh -uh. shoot your crossbow, man. Uh-uh. You're a little breathing. The music is on. Uh, Greg, Greg, Eddie. Where's everyone? Is it a bear? Velociraptor. Oh, they're going to do Velociraptors. That's Triceratops. Triceratops. Yeah. It's one of them. It's just like a big cow. It's yeah. a dinosaur. He eats what it wants. He wants a s'more. How did they get all the way up here? They migrate. There was one in the woods named my school. The ranger said that we should just stay calm and wait for it to go away. You heard what happened up north. It's pretty much like when you see a bear on a camping trip. Right, right, no doubt. How do you know? Because of the words. Because she reads her books and she studies. That's how she knows. It's like if anybody just listen to the kids in this. Oh, it's a baby. Yep. All right now, technically, and I read this about dinosaurs. There's no such thing as a triceratops. It was a baby, other kind of dinosaur. Uh oh. The circle of life. What is the T-Rex versus oh, a Triceratops. The biggest fight. Always. Oh, oh. got the baby. It's okay, kids. This, Not is, uh, this, this is just nature sometimes. <laughs> just nature. <laughs> oh, you got away. Oh, got away. <laughs> Oh, did the Triceratops just dump that T-Rex in the fire? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, close the door because that camper door is going to protect you from a... Well, it keeps the fire out. Four, you know that. <laughs> four if, there, if there's a fire outside, you can't get on, catch on fire inside. Maybe we shouldn't watch this. <laughs> so, the family... Oh, what's, what's happening? Okay, we're, we're fine. Oh, uh, They're fine. <laughs> that piece of glass isn't gonna. You're not fine. Shh, it's okay. Oh, look at Shh, baby. Crying babies. Whenever there's a crying baby in a dangerous scene, I always think about the last episode of MASH. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this poor family. Yeah. 
Yeah, because putting your hand over a baby's mouth, you know, that's frowned upon. We don't, we don't want to do that. We just want to let him scream and, and put everybody in danger. What's it? But a baby's stuck because he's in a high chair. Oh. I don't want to. Oh, I know what this is like. No, you get the crying baby. No, 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 you get the crying baby. expense on this that was uh yeah yeah you know but notice that the the people never really came in contact with the oh look at her she's gonna be the new green arrow uh, hawkeye yeah. Yeah. Okay. You gotta keep your cool in situations like that yeah i don't know the music is still kind of spooky right now. What yeah. else is going to happen? So I'm going to have her as a winding down. This is going to be the end. Uh, this is just... Uh-oh. They're going to show a velociraptor. Guaranteed. No? No. Colin Trevorrow. Oh, look at this. Right, what is that? We got a little, uh, not post credits, during credits. Whoa. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez, oh, that was a stegosaurus. <laughs> Good night, Irene. Post credit, yeah. So, the, so now I guess they're everywhere. Yeah, well, that, that's, uh, that's how the last one ended. Yeah. yeah. A great white getting swallowed whole. Yeah. Oh, this is not going to end well. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Oh. All right. All right. An all new show? What no, is it? So, what, no, this is, uh, it's supposed to be... There's like a, a one-shot. It's a one-shot leading into what the next movie's gonna be. Because if you remember from, was it Fallen Kingdom? At the end, the dinosaurs get released into the world, and uh, they're basically living like wild animals now. So this is supposed to be in between when they got released and, and before the next movie. 
So the next movie, what I heard is Sam Neill's coming back, Laura Dern's coming back, and... Uh, Jeff Goldblum, yep. Jeff Goldblum coming. Yeah, they should have been in all the movies. Yeah, I think I mean, Jeff Goldblum was in the last one, if I remember correctly. Or, or Sam for, for, for a for, few yeah, minutes, he was yeah, there, like, really, really, really short. testifying to Congress or something like that. Right? Yeah. But uh, what's your overall opinion on the Jurassic Park movies? My overall opinion is that the first Jurassic Park was great Steven Spielberg being Steven Spielberg and the special effects were you know going back now it's kind of clunky but I mean it was ridiculously spectacular for its day but um, every all the other ones have just been okay they're entertaining Um, I enjoy them on airplanes but um, it's really nothing that I get excited about. Um, and I'm not a big fan of uh, these last ones with Star-Lord. I just can't... Oh, Chris Pratt. Yeah, the last one, the, the last one, Fallen Kingdom, I wasn't too too crazy about. But Jurassic World, I thought, was actually pretty good. But again, it's yeah. it's the same story. They they never learn. They they just want to uh, yeah. tinker. They want to party with the dinosaurs, basically, is what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, one thing yeah, leads I to mean, another, and they're, they're after your ass. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just the, the same old thing and they really don't don't want to like deviate from that formula to kind of they do a kind of couple of things around the edges. But in the end, it's everything's OK till it's not. Right. Yeah. And that, that's why I'm kind of interested to see what, what this new one's going to be, because, you know, if it is dinosaurs living out, in a, you know, in, in, mm-hmm. in nature, what, what, what it's actually going to be like, um, you know, which we kind of just saw a little bit of. But. Right, I right. Guess we'll, we'll, we'll see. When but the that movie was fun, comes out. and that was entertaining. Yeah. And the kid, the, the kid, the the little girl there is awesome and great. That was, you know, you got that set up. She was the one who was the most knowledgeable about the dinosaurs. And then when things had to happen, she, you know, you, she took care of it with the crossbow that they said that they were complaining about earlier. But it would, that's a lot of fun, and and I and I like these. I like it when um, part of the the advertising and the uh, the advertising budget for the film goes into actual content itself that maybe you won't see in the movie. It's not a trailer, but it's something that leads into it. Because I would have always like um, with the, when the when they had the Marvel one shots, uh, I would like to see more of that, even expand that, so you could kind of. Well, well, didn't we we have this conversation that Marvel should just abandon trailers altogether and just do right like a little intro scene like this that leads you right into the movie. Because one yeah. one thing that we talked about was Spider Man Far From Home, which was great, was the the banter with the cops where he's flipping in the restaurant, taking out the mob, and then it, it's cut from right. the movie. And that was a great Spider Man. They could have just had that. Right. They could have just had that. Right. Just do like a, a three minute scene where he basically comes out, does what he's got to do, flips in, flips out, and then when you watch the movie, that's basically like your your pre credits. Um, right introduction like the lead up to captain america civil war you could have had a five to ten minute thing about uh the falcon you know when he his time in the army when he got the 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 wings and just that kind of thing um, you know just a five minute thing to just to introduce them to the character doesn't have to be a lot of special effects doesn't have to be this doesn't have to be that you just have that kind of little story that supplements it because the marvel cinematic universe is so huge and, and, you know, and I'm not afraid to say this, you know, it's arguably true that 
the best parts of the Marvel Cinematic Universe are the post-credit sequences. That's what everybody looks forward to. And if you brought that into the pre-movie yeah. teaser stories, people would be talking about it, shouting, and it would be absolutely great. And I, I just like to see that. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so, so that's Jurassic, uh, Jurassic World, the battle at Big Rock. Jurassic World battle. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that, that was good. Welcome back, everyone. So, um, so we got another uh, another show that we watched that you know was on uh, Amazon streaming called Carnival Row. So I think we we might have mentioned this previously, um, you know, that we were going to be watching the show and checking it out. So it's been out uh, for a little over a month now. I, I actually probably longer than that, right? I think it came out the end of August. Yeah. You know, so it's it's on Amazon streaming. It's nine episodes, I believe. You know. Um, all about an Give hour or take each. an hour an hour each yeah yeah but yeah so you know we we checked it out it's it's Orlando Bloom's in it he's the main character uh Cara Delevingne is in it you, you know she's been in a couple other other movies so you, you you'll probably recognize yeah, her yeah she was in uh, uh Suicide Squad Su- right Suicide Squad she was in um was it Valerian Valerian um, those, right actually that, those are probably the, the only two that I know her from yeah um and there's a lot. There's a, it's a really, really deep cast with a lot of actually uh, really good actors. Jared ha- Harris as Absalom yeah. Breakspear. He he's awesome. Yeah. So he he was in Chernobyl recently. If anybody saw Chernobyl, and um, you know, yeah. he was on Mad Men for for a while. Yeah, he's um, great. We have um, uh, Game of Thrones alumni, Ind- Indria Varma. She plays uh, another character in there. She was the the matriarch of House Dorn, uh, who was uh, who was going toe to toe with Cersei Lannister <laughs> the entire time making Game of Thrones. She was in it, and one of my favorites, who played the Boar Queen in Star Trek, and all the way back to this film, uh, Sleepwalkers, back in the uh, late '80s. It's just a kind of horror show where uh, a woman and her son turn into creatures uh alice courage she's just like uh awesome uh the music from sleepwalkers were so good that the fujis sampled from that movie and made a whole uh song about it it was really good but alice courage is in it and we could go on and on there's a lot of really uh great actors in this uh the cast is really deep so spade what did you what do you think so the, you know i saw the trailer and i said this show looks pretty interesting and then you know you said hey let, let's do it for the podcast so you know, I watched the first episode. I really, really liked the first episode. You know, I, I was getting into it. It's, it's a, I guess, what would you call it? A steampunk. Um, so the premise, 19... the premise of Carnival okay, Row, it's a fantasy story, but instead of being set in a faux medieval Europe like Game of Thrones is or, or um, Lord of the Rings is, this is set in a in, um, uh, industrial revolution, like late 1800s. A lot of people would call it steampunk. Um, uh, and it takes place in a kind of mixture of a kind of large city like London or New York City. Uh, the whole thing is shot at, most of it's shot in Prague, by the way. 
and it's kind of uh, what would what would what would it be like if there were fantastic creatures and races in the late 1800s and it's a very very ambitious television show um one of the notable things is the high production value because to create oh yeah the show looks looks great it's, yeah. it's phenomenal the, the way it's shot is re- really really good um th- there's monsters in it some of the effects yeah. are, are uh, i guess on par with stranger things really i, w- I would yeah. say some of them some of the effects are really really great yeah um you know but to be honest with you see i i didn't love it i didn't love it i know you really really enjoyed it i i thought it was just okay you know and, and that's not saying it's a bad show um i think people should definitely give it a try um to me like i said the first episode i really loved the second one i wasn't crazy about and then the third happened to just be my my favorite episode of the whole uh mm-hmm. series it, it's a it's the flashback episode where they're they're in the war times and it's explaining the backstory of the orlando bloom character rycroft and uh and his his uh fairy girlfriend the cara delavine character vignette um and I just thought that episode was really, really great because, you know, it's like the, the two humans don't really like the fairies and they don't trust each other. You know, it's that kind of tension. And that and was the most then, that was the most linear of all the episodes because it was about yeah. those two characters. All the other plots that take place in the show weren't in that episode because episode oh, spoilers, three, by the way, spoilers. Oh yeah, this the, is absolutely 100% spoilers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, so, we're not even going to yeah, beat around the bush. We're, right. we're just going straight spoilers because we couldn't even spoil everything. Cause so much happens in this, in this show that, that the third, the third episode is a flashback episode. So yeah, it's, we it's get, a classic bottle episode. I guess you would call it right. Well, no, a bottle episode is, uh, it, it's kind of like a technical term where they, where, um, a television show. But you could kind of watch it on its own. Well, no, that writers, writers would have to write an episode that's set with all the sets that are already built. So it's actually the opposite of a bottle episode because they had to build all new sets and they couldn't use the sets they were already using. But it's it's very self-contained, I think you're saying. It's a oh, self-contained. That's what, see, yeah, that's, what yeah, I, so that, yeah. that's my mistake. I yeah, thought a bottle yeah. episode was something like if you were just hopping in, you watch this whole episode, you can get everything that you need to, then you yeah. can – you yeah. know, skip out and and you're good. A bo- the, um, the, the term the term bottle episode came. Uh, it's 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 an old term, but I first learned about it when Star Trek: The Next Generation were going on was going on, and they were actually accepting scripts from fans. And I you know I was really young at the time, so I was like I should write a script. Never went went and did that. But um, what they said is, listen, if you write a script, make it a bottle episode. Set it almost entirely on the bridge. Or in the medical bay because we have all of that stuff already set up. So we don't have to build any new sets. We don't have to create any new monsters. So they said, like, if you're going to have a bottle episode, don't write one where Riker is running around the jungle being chased by an eight-armed monkey. You don't do that because they have to make a jungle set. They have to do that. But if everything is, like, mental powers or people trying to take over each other over mentally and it all takes place on the bridge... It's a cheaper budget, and they're more likely to accept that script. But right. that okay. So, so the third episode is self-contained. So it's not that. It's not. Yeah, that yeah, so it's definitely not that. It's all yeah. It's, it's it, but it is like I think what you're like self-contained. So it, it it's very linear, and it almost works like a movie in and of itself. So you see the background of right. these characters without being distracted by any of the other uh, characters or cast that you would. Uh, 
uh, really have to. It's almost the entire episode is just the two leads, except for maybe um, the the his friend, the werewolf character, or um, something else. So I think I've I've looked at a lot of the criticism of Carnival Row on on um, online and all the reviews, and and, and I think I, I boil it all down to the criticism is it was too ambitious. There were too many things going on. It didn't know what it wanted to be. See, I, I think this is a perfect example of why streaming shows sometimes suffer because you can barrel through them as fast as you want, right? So essentially right. you could sit there for nine hours in a day and watch this whole thing, right? right. With a show that you're watching once a week, something like, I, I would almost compare it to Game of Thrones in the, the in this way. The names of the characters are not your normal, you know, Bob, Pete, Joe, right? Like we're we're talking about the characters' names are like Tourmaline and Imogen and, you know, um, Vignette, like we said. So the names are are confusing. And then it's trying to remember which character is doing what. And when you're binging a show, you can just go from episode to episode and you kind of know what's going on. But like I know by like the fourth or fifth episode, I couldn't keep track of which character was which. But when you're watching a show like Game of Thrones once a week, you have time to digest. You can go back and rewatch an episode because I know I, I yeah. did that with Game of Thrones because I just loved the show. I thought it was great. And that's what I think. It's I'm looking forward to, uh, and I think that Disney Plus learned that lesson because with The Mandalorian, it's going to be released once a we, week. It's not just going to yeah. drop the whole the whole thing. It's going to be released once a week, and that is going to cause people to. Um, look forward to it, talk about, have water cooler talks about it and really kind of right. go through. So there won't be just one uh, episode of uh, issue of this podcast that we'll talk about. And we'll probably do a number of them, right? Because it's spread right. out instead of doing the whole thing like we're doing right now with Carnival Row. But that thing that you're having a problem with and that thing that everybody else has a problem with is why I like it. I th- I think I I it's the the ambition of the thing had a level of audacity that everybody would have said no I would have never done this and this is the same reason why I loved David Lynch's 1980s Dune movie and everybody else hated it it's because it was so thick with world building and character building and political structures and cultural structures and all this kind of thing, I watched Carnival Row and I had the exact opposite reaction than you because I saw the first episode and I was like, uh, there's a level of cheese to this. Oh, yeah. That yeah. I was like, I, oh, I, I want to like this, but I don't know because it's, it's kind of it's a little cheesy. But I stuck with it at every episode. I liked it more and more. Yeah, that that's what you kept saying. You're like, it, it gets better, it gets better, and all the plots come together, and it's really good. I was loving it. I was, because this is okay. It's Lord of the Ring. It's Lord of the Rings mixed with Game of Thrones, mixed with Charles Dickens. It mixed with Romeo and Juliet. It's it's like a dark and uh, whatever those uh, uh, crime procedurals. Uh, what do you, whatever letters that they have. What name a show? CSI Miami. CSI, you know, there's CSI a CSI kind of, there's, there's Downton Abbey in this with like, oh, social structures and upstairs, downstairs of people who are nobles and then people who are just the servants. Um, it, 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 there's a lot of Game of Thrones politics in there. 
And in the end, it is, even though it's this, it's this kind of crazy kind of thing, it's in within our time. It's a story about refugees. Right. The, the main thing, it's, it's a murder mystery with classism i guess yeah classism classism yeah racism and not just racism because they do this one thing where uh the main wife who uh the wife of the prime minister who was the actress from game of thrones she even says and her and and there's other characters who are like oh we are from the pharisees right that means that there's some kind of egypt or middle east like culture that immigrated of humans that immigrated to the Berg. That's the city it's 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 set in. It's called the Berg. It's kind of this like London, Brooklyn kind of place where um they experienced racism, but then they were eventually accepted and now there's the new series of racism which is the 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 phase which are all the races the magical races and the fairies the phase which is the the fairies and their nicknames are um i completely forget they have the satyrs which are called pucks which is taken from shakespeare's midsummer night dream they have centaurs and then they have uh trolls kind of ogre like creatures that are very limited scene i think they they dro- probably drop them because just because of the the uh just budgetary concerns. Picks. They call them picks, right? The fairies are called picks. Yeah. But they have all these kind of different races. And these are the new refugees that are coming in and the racism that they're experiencing. And uh, it's just, I think, it turned out great. Is there a certain amount of cheese on top? Yes. These kind of Game of Thrones sex scenes put in just to have some kind of shiny bauble of, oh my gosh, look at that. I mean, I and I enjoyed them. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, they're, they're, they're really unnecessary. They're really unnecessary. You know, fairies' wings glow when they, have, when they orgasm. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I laughed. I didn't go, oh, that's, oh, that's so sexy. I, I just laughed, right? So there's a, there's, a level of, there's a level of cheese to it. But I think they're in the right place. They... they they swung for the fences and they didn't hit a home run. They hit a triple. They didn't score. They hit a triple. I think, I think it's great. I think that, um, uh, uh, what's his name is, uh, is complete. You know, Orlando Bloom is very cheesy. He's, he plays this character one note, this troubled dude. But I think that just, I, I, I enjoyed this kind of secondary life that this show had where I was like looking at the maps online. And another great thing that they did is they knew the audience and they knew they were trying to sell it to me, right? So what they did is before I even heard about it, they they had begun to work with a role-playing game company called Monty Cook Games. Um, it's a, it's a, he's one of the big names in role-playing. He designed one of the Dungeons & Dragons 3rd uh, edition. He was one of the main designers for Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition, and I think he had a big hand in 5th edition. What they did, he made his own role-playing system, and they had already worked with that company to come out with a free PDF of the rules. So the day this dropped, or like very soon after it dropped on Amazon, you could download a free PDF and role play that. And you could see people online right now uh, doing live play of, 
of this. And it's really great because it gives a map and all this information about the cultures. So if you're really into kind of digging deep in this kind of secondary life of a television show, and it's really, really deep and complicated and interconnected and all the political things and all the, all the different, there's this whole fascist, um, like kind of Nazi like country that only kind of shows up in a couple of episodes, but I'm sure will play a big, uh, big deal in the in the next one. Right. This already got greenlit for a second. Season, yeah, yeah, so absolutely. You definitely get some more. Yeah. So I, you know, and I know it's not for everybody. You know, I guess it's just not for everybody because it was really, really thick, and there was a lot of different stories being told. I, I and you know what? It turns out everybody's like, oh, they should have just stuck with the murder mystery. I'm like, you know what? I really liked the Downton Abbey secondary love story with the very rich uh, fawn uh, Puck, uh, the very rich Puck, and and him coming in and moving into the privileged rich white the privileged rich human neighborhood and the trouble he had there. And then falling in love with somebody there, and that I think that was really, really well done. Yeah, that, that I I did enjoy that. That that was interesting, uh, you know, storyline because it's it's kind of like everybody thought he was the help, and and not really, you know, like what, right, what right. was he up to, you know? And I I thought the scene where he, they were bidding on the artwork, where right, 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 in the yeah, he, in the gut, right. he was just coming up with it was exciting. astronomical. Yeah, it was it was yeah. good. Like like I said, there's good stuff in it. Um. Like I said, o- I think overall, people just got lost. I think it was just too much. It was just like so much information. And you know what I, I compare it to? And I'm going to go off again on my favorite, one of my favorite books ever. And my favorite author, my favorite right now working science fiction, weird fantasy author is a guy named China Mayville. And he wrote this, um, he wrote this book uh, and it's a series of three books uh, and the first one's called Perdido Street Station. This is the guy who created this guaranteed red Perdido Street Station and kind of took all those kind of things and kind of put that in there. So if you're a China Mayville fan, and um, I hope he, um, if this isn't the first time our audience has heard that name, his book, Perdido Street Station, if you're uh, uh, like reading novels, fantasy novels, this is my favorite. Beyond Lord of the Rings, Beyond Anything Else is my favorite fantasy novel. And this is kind of, I wish that HBO made uh, Perdido Street Station and the Boslaga books from China Mayville because, uh, but this is the closest thing to it. And I'm sure they wanted to capture what was going on in there because there's a lot of parallels and similarities. Yeah, I, I, I get you. I mean, like I said, it's, it, it wasn't, it wasn't for me. It doesn't mean that it's not for anybody else. Um, I, 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 I shouldn't say it wasn't for me. I, I'm definitely going to check out the second season. Um, what, one of the writers that they hired is Mark Bernard, and I, I like his stuff. You know, he, 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 he's a really good writer. So, you know, I'm interested to see what, what, what he'll do with, with, the, with the second season. But um, Mark Bernard? I'm not familiar yeah, with him. Yeah, he, he, well, I listened to him. He, he's on a podcast with Kevin Smith, you know, where they, they talk about the same stuff that we do. Um, but he, he wrote a couple stories for, um, you know, for X-Men and... Uh, and he wrote a couple TV shows. He he's been on uh, Castle Rock is another one that he wrote. Um, yeah. Episode episodes for these shows. Um, but yeah, he he's one of the, the season two pro, pro, um, writers. So I'm, I'm interested to see uh, where where they go. Yeah. You know, especially with the big reveal with Orlando Bloom's character. You know, where um, he's actually a fairy and didn't know. 
which I thought was right, an interesting right. twist. There's there's a lot of surprises. There's a lot of surprises. I, I mean, I we, you figure out the fairy uh, that he's you know half fae. The producer here, Travis Beecham, he had a there was a movie that was released on a streaming service where um he was a cop. Oh, right, that was on uh, Netflix. Right, yeah, bright. Yeah, I, I actually I like that movie. It got a lot of flack for some reason, but I actually enjoyed that one. Yeah. Uh, so um, I think he had something to do with that. I'm not sure, but but yeah, I, I Carnival Row is something that can go. They're going to even make it even more wider. Um, I think it. I, I'm, my understanding is that that it did well, and people watched it. Well, I mean, if they're doing a second season, it, you know, I'm sure people were interested. Yeah, and listen, if you like costume dramas, if you like world building, if you like really high production value. There's a couple of a couple of CGI moments that you could say, all right, this is on a on a television budget. It's not going to be uh, that kind of special effects that you're going to get in a two hour movie, a uh, high budget two hour movie. But for television, the special effects were absolutely awesome. Yeah, like I said, it's Stranger Things, and the acting is good. The acting is good, spot on. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I criticize Orlando Bloom a little bit, but other than that, everybody else was great. You know what this reminded me of? What? You ever, you ever hear this film, Flight of the Arrowhead? <laughs> no doubt. That I was sitting down when I first started watching the first episode. I was sitting watching with my father, and my father was uh, saying, Andy, this is like the movie you made. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah, Dad, it's a little. It very much has a Flight of the Arrowhead feel. Flight of the Arrowhead is a film that uh, we made uh, a few years ago, won some awards. Uh, we're going to have uh, the director, um, Joao Taroko, uh, he'll come on uh, as a guest one day and we'll talk. We'll do a Flight of the Arrowhead episode. Um, but uh, it's very much steampunky, kind of uh, very much the same uh, genre and, and setting, right? Yeah, well, well T- T's being modest. When he said we made it, he he's talking about uh, him and students. You know, it was a student film class in uh, in high school. You know, and the, and the kids and they started it. They started it as as seniors, but then they came back for um, six years. Uh, all those students and the former students, and they came back and started working with current students. And it wasn't just that. It was like the parents were involved, the, the, the faculty at school. It just came out really well. You know, it was, it was a, it was a six year odyssey to create it, that. It, um, it's online, right? We can include a link to, uh, uh not that, not the full film, not the not full, the we, full can, film. we can, okay. we can, we can, we can include a link to us, uh, 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 a scene. We have a we have a special effects scene up there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We'll 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 share it. We'll share it if anybody's interested in, in checking that. Flight of the Arrowhead. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, Car- Carnival Row. I don't know. You wanna you wanna talk about anything else about it or um? Uh, I I I mean uh, this is I think that normally we agree on absolutely everything. It's very rarely that we. But I you know I I really dug it. Some of the criticism is 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 valid. There's a little bit of cheesiness to certain parts, but. It's really ambitious. There's a lot of stuff packed in there. They threw in everything in the kitchen sink. They swung. They 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 went big or went home. And in the end, I I really dig it uh, because it's a story about you know people who are refugees and who are suffering. And because of that, it's about something. Right. Right. 
in everything, it's about something. It's about race. It's about class. It's about this. It's about that. And there's really kind of things in there. And because it has a heart like that, and it really does, it, without even, even those moments of schmaltz, I, I, I'll absolutely recommend it. All right. That's, uh, that's Carnival Row. And that's Carnival Row. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NotAllPods. Visit us on our website at notallpodcastworkcapes.com. And send us an email, notallpods at gmail.com. Also subscribe and listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Not All Podcasts Wear Capes is a Thaumaturge Wonderworks production. This issue was edited by Andre 3.0 Marks. You know, it's arguably, arguably, arguably true that, um, uh, uh, wait, 3.0, 3.0. All right.